Wow, it's October 2nd, 2023, and today I'm joined by a familiar face, Brian Box-Brown. Welcome back. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Uh, hanging in there. Yeah. Remind uh, folks who may be living under a rock and for some reason don't know who you are, uh, who exactly you are and how we can find you online. I am a comic artist. I do the comic strip Legalization Nation, which is about the uh, legal cannabis world and and illegal cannabis world. Uh, And I'm all over. I'm on Twitter and Blue Sky and Instagram as Box Brown. You can find my Legalization Nation Patreon. And right now, I'm running a Kickstarter to fund a hardcover book which will collect the first three years of legalization nation. I can't believe I've been doing it that long. It's crazy. Dude, straight up. It is pretty crazy. It's nuts. It went so fast. Um, it's funny looking back at the, the old ones. I feel like they're so naive. I was like so naive in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, yeah, folks, if you're not aware, legalization nation is the best i think i don't want to say the only just in case we don't know about you know some little comic strip maker but it's the only one i know about right now and uh it covers all things cannabis every week am i right it's weekly yeah every tuesday it comes out yeah Coming out tomorrow yeah tomorrow and you can morning. you can get it off the wire as they used to say in news uh by going to patreon.com slash legalization nation Thank you. We'll have all the links in the podcast description, folks, if that makes it easier. Um, And yeah, I'm really, I just have to say, I'm really excited about this project. So folks, if you know about Legalization Nation, go ahead and uh, if you're able to support this Kickstarter, once again, all links will be in the podcast description so that you can. Um, This is history and I want to see it come into a a hardcover uh, form. So, oh, I think we lost Mr. Brown. <laughs> so Box Brown accidentally left the uh, the call, but but we're back and we're sparking up. Um, <laughs> I've got some of my favorite Legalization Nation uh, comic strips, some recent ones, some that are favorites for a reason. You'll know <laughs> why when I pull them up. Um, but uh, I guess I wanted to ask you at the start, and I know that I didn't prepare for you for this question. So like if we need to return to it or whatever, we can. But has there been a legalization nation strip that you just were like, you fucking loved it and you just it didn't. I know this is a weird question, but it didn't you didn't feel it resonated as much as you thought it would. Oh, uh, um, yeah, uh, that does happen sometimes. Uh, it also happens like the other way, too, where I'm, you know, um just thinking it's just going to be like an average, you know, strip and then something crazy happens. Like when, um, like the Wiz Khalifa one, like blew up so hard because Wiz Khalifa commented on it. Um, so that was, that was crazy. That was a funny one. Um, remind me really quick. What, what was, what did he comment? Okay. So what, here's what happened. Wiz Khalifa has the Wiz Khalifa Kush, right? Now, you know, 
he developed this street in California. I actually ended up because of the strip talking to the breeders that bred Khalifa Kush, like the genetics and everything. And um, <clears throat> so he has like a legit situation there, but he's licensed at his brand, the True Leave, in a lot of states. So, so the way that works is, you know, they basically, you know, they, they get the genetics and grow them uh and then you know package them and everything but you know you're selling you know it's you're getting true leave for you and not not like khalifa kush from california um right and so somebody called them out on twitter i called khalifa out about it he's like dude what's this true leave like you're still because he was talking about being in pennsylvania and he's just like he was like oh it's bomb weed champ or something you know replied to him and then <laughs> so then i made the comic about that incident and, and explains like the concept of like how you know because it's not just Wiz khalifa i mean like the biggest um the biggest uh, you know perpetrator here is mike tyson <laughs> i mean like he's in, in every state like um you know and, and, which is it's it's weird like you can be a celebrity and send your stuff everywhere uh, you know, under your celebrity, whatever your celebrity name or whatever, and uh, but you can also like there's so that's like a little bit you know distasteful, whatever. Like it's just like they don't even care; they just want their the brand out there. Like Mike Tyson's ear candy that he's that he you know his uh that type of thing, and uh, but it's even more distasteful, I think, um, when it's. Yes, I was talking to um, uh, the guy that 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 ha- his brand's called Heis- Heisman, Ricky Williams, right? So Ricky Williams has the Heisman brand, and um, you know, I was talking to the the, the guy on uh, DMing with the guy on Instagram, and he's telling me like they made a point not to work with MSOs like in in California, like it's not like they use they use Cresco in California because there's like so many other, or like Oregon, but there's plenty of small farmers and stuff, but they wanted to be in Pennsylvania so bad that they just like gave up on that whole concept of not working with MSOs. And I was like, if you really cared that much about this, you would say, you know, I'm not going to enter the Pennsylvania market until some local, like Wiz Khalifa, that would have been, that could have been like a big thing, you know? Um, or he's saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come into my home state because it's all corporations, but instead he just jumps right in bed and pretends like it's not a thing. Like, and I think it's kind of like, you know, false advertising in a way. Cause like, you, you're not really getting what, you know, you're not getting the Wiz Khalifa Kush from California. You know, if you, you take those two bags and put them next to each other, they're not going to look, smell anything like each other, you know? Um, but, and so there's that going on, but it's also brands doing it, right? So like, there's some brands in California that have just gotten big, and um, and then license their stuff out to True Leaf to be. This is happening mostly in Florida, right? Where um, you know, um, True Leaf sells um, uh, uh, Blue River Terps rosin in Florida. 
or whatever. But like in California, they're like the this like super legitimate rosin company that they remember they had like they had like rosin flan. It was called. It was like super expensive fucking California shit. Anyway, then they're they're, they're in Florida, but it's truly. I mean, even if they came in and brought all the genetics, told them the SOPs, which I'm sure that's not happening. They're just doing whatever the hell they want. Uh, there's no way that they're doing it. There's first of all, there's no way they can maintain the quality because of the way Truly operates. But also, they're even if they did all the SOPs properly, if they're using Truly drone weed, it's not like it's bomb. The bomb weed they're using in in California, and so yeah. like. I don't think they care that they're diluting their brands and stuff. Cause like it's people are too, are, are kind of like too ignorant of what's going on. They just like see the brand. They're like, Oh yeah, I had that. You know, they have that by me, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. You imagine know? if that was the experience you'd have with Coca-Cola. Like- right. Exactly. Like a Coca-Cola in California was great. And one in Illinois, it was like the grossest thing in the world. Yeah. And you were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <There's no laughs> it's like orange soda or something like, you know what I mean? Like just totally not what you would expect. It would be like flat. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good point. A good way to look at it because, you know, that type of thing, you know, it's really like distasteful. And also uh, a little, not to like, you know, um, find joy in others' misfortune. But like, after I t- talked to uh, the Ricky Williams people about this, I was like, you shouldn't have come in, blah, blah, blah. Why get in bed with an MSO? Their company they were working with dropped them. <laughs> like, and just like a bad habit, like got rid yeah. of them. And um, now it's like not doing these celebrity brands, like, and just tossed them out. You know, I, you know, so I can't say I didn't warn them not to get in bed with the wrong people, but like, you know. yeah, no, straight up, straight up. You know, a funny example that uh, that I like from Illinois, and I'm even going to plug somebody who's been on my podcast in the past. So check out this label that's on the cannabis that this guy is reviewing. And this is a common to your point. This like mm-hmm. leads to more confusion. So this brand is called Fig Farms, and this is in Illinois. It's on sale in Illinois, and it says California Cannabis. Wow. (laughs) I mean. So, I mean, so it's just people buying it being like, oh, this is shit from California. That's what everybody thinks. Like, like, I don't mean to say everybody thinks, but when I talk to a layman, like somebody, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just bought some California Cannabis. Yeah. No, I mean, I know that, um, you know, we're not following federal law here, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they can get away with that they c- couldn't if we were. Um, but like, there's a lot of false advertising going on in the legal weed space. Like w- there's, you know, a lot of the, the media constantly talks about like the fake packaging in, in the illicit spaces and, you know, uh, packaging that looks like Doritos and all, all this stuff like that. Uh, but like, like you said like there's no literal there's no definition for a lot of the things we think of as like definitive things like there's no definition of like live resin they could say they could put live resin on the box it could be anything like that's just like a marketing term like there's no like uh, legal definition live resin is blah 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 you know made from the live whole plant 
whatever in this particular fashion there's nothing like that so you can just say anything make it from any kind of weed whatever say live resin on the side um you know all that stuff is that we think of as like they're saying what the product is it would be like you're it would be like saying this is a banana or something like like that for example you can't Look, you could fool me if you put two glasses in front of me and I one of them was a whiskey and one of them was a bourbon and you said mm-hmm. both of them were bourbon. But technically right. speaking, from what I understand, there is a legal definition of bourbon that it's like it was yeah. I about said grown in Kentucky, but yeah. brewed in t- Kentucky in yeah, a certain type of barrel. Exa- yeah. Right, exactly. So you have to call it what it is. I mean, so there's a lot of this stuff in cannabis. There's just like you can say anything pretty much. Because none of the stuff is like legally defined, uh, like exactly like that California cannabis right on the on the label is so deceptive, you know? right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know it, uh, it's funny though, and uh, when I see places doing the other doing it the other way, where it'll be like Illinois grown weed. And it's just like, you know, every, all the weed in Illinois has to be grown in Illinois. Like, there's <laughs> right. no other choice. Uh, as I always think that's funny. Like, I was looking at a Vermont dispensary. Vermont, by the way, uh, has a lot of great indie dispensaries. And, and it's like all indie people. I mean, they have, there are a few big companies operating, but um, all the new companies are, are up and running. They, they, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. Um, yeah. uh, but I was looking at some some company in, in Vermont, and they were like, "Yeah, Vermont grown, locally grown." And I was like, "Yeah, all, they, all of it is locally grown by right. law. Like in every state, it has to be like that." Right. That'll be the day when it's like you can get some yeah. Oregon cannabis. Yeah. Or something when, like that. when it says California cannabis, and it means something, and you know, it's like when you go buy, you know, when you're buying wine, and you're like. You know, I want whatever Sonoma Valley wines or whatever particular yeah. regions of wines because even though you don't know the brands, you're just like, oh, this region is known for its wine, so it must be pretty good. Like if, at some point when there's a national market, people are going to be like, you know. You want a fun. funny one that you probably wouldn't have even liked since you're not from Illinois. Um, there's this one brand, it's called 93 Boys, and uh, it says it's, chicago made i believe on the label but it's look where it's grown chicago's up here <laughs> it's grown right here in southern illinois <laughs> it's so far away from <laughs> yeah it's chicago. from anna i mean it's literally almost yeah so chicago's it's like up as here. far away from chicago as you could possibly be and still be in illinois <laughs> <laughs> i know right yeah so but is that a so what how many so what's going on exactly in illinois i'm a little bit behind on because a lot of things have changed in the last six months. You know, yeah. Right? Well, no, not really. I mean, not really. Not, not <laughs> There's a lot of news all the time. But... Yeah, not much is really going on. I mean, there are some establishments opening up, and I believe there's going to be another licensing round for craft cultivators. But it's really stagnant. And actually, right. I think one of the biggest conversations that's going on right now relates to one of the um, – uh strips that i picked uh so that that's a good way to you know keep plugging legalization nation 
Um, right now, we're, well, towards the end of this month, there's going to be a, a veto session. And the big focus, a lot of the conversations surrounding cannabis right now to answer your question is about hemp and hemp-derived okay. products. Right, 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 right. That's a thing, you know. That's yeah. Around in uh, New York and New Jersey and stuff too. There. Yeah. So I thought I'd share one of your comics that that is pretty uh, relevant to it. You just mentioned New Jersey. Um, folks, in case you didn't understand, we are showing some comics right now. So if you want to use, if you want to see the video version of this podcast, there's a link in the description. There's also all, all the other links we mentioned in the description as well. Um, but you can go to the video version if you look in the de, in the episode description for this uh, for this episode. Box, do you want to read this comic for folks that might still be listening? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as the as the legal hemp market explodes with psychoactive synthetic cannabinoid products, people are starting to take notice. So there's like a dude walking into a Delta dispensary. He's like, "Hey, check this out." That's actually based on a real place of my neighborhood. That's right next door to an ice cream place, <laughs> and it's it. open like tw- it's open seven days a week, like eight to eleven. The hemp the hemp dispensary. Anyway, um, <clears throat> most recently, it's the. New Jersey Cannabis Trade Organization, whose members include Cureleaf, Terrasen, Columbia Care, Green Thumb Industries, Verano, and a few others. <clears throat> NJCTO blames poor sales and slow growth on the wild, unregulated hemp market. Um, so this is, if you know what's going on in New Jersey, this is so ridiculous. Like, the slow growth is because they're not doing shit. There's like, there's no new people. So they're not, they have no, there's no motivation for all the companies that exist to uh, do anything. The weed's really, really expensive. Um, it, so like basically nothing changed. Well, very little changed from when it was just medical only. Like the same people that were going and getting their medical cards are the same people that are buying the legal weed. Everybody that wasn't is just still getting not buying legal weed right. because it's still so expensive and and, uh, and and not enough dispensaries, not enough weed, etc. <clears throat> so, but they're blaming they're blaming the the poor sales on the, the hemp competition. <clears throat> and so, uh, the New Jersey Regulatory Commission agrees. One main issue they cite is that it's more affordable than NJ's legal weed. <laughs> so now here's the. So this is the regulatory commission. They're like, yeah, we do need to regulate regulate hemp because it's so much cheaper than our weed. Like they can't compete. Like, no, they can just compete. So it's like lower right. your prices. You're actually offering, like, the legal weed dispensaries are literally offering a better product. Like, the, even though like we talk shit about all like the legal uh, the, the corporate weed and stuff. Like, I will say I'll go on the record saying that it's better than hemp sprayed on like hemp weed you know they have there's they supposedly have the the real deal and they're worried about hemp it's so funny uh so to recap the trade group lobbied against their own admitted competition and now regulators are considering big changes and the cop was like drop the hemp shotgun and but the hemp hemp is cheaper because the market is open to the working class it's not limited to a few well-funded people and it's available everywhere and it's a competitive market. And uh, so if the hemp market is seen as competition, 
corporate cannabis could always consider competing with them on quality and price instead of lobbying to eliminate them via statute, which is like what they're used to, right? Yeah. They're used to being the only game in town. This is happening in New York too, where they are the, the, tr- the trade organization in New York, which is, which is almost all the same people um, is, is suing uh the state of new york because but but all right so they got together with disabled veterans right and they're mad that um that they are not giving like getting like preferential treatment like a social equity uh person would be and so we have these two you know few disabled veterans and then also GTI, Pharmacan, Acreage, and Cureleaf. Like, it's them. So they're the ones funding the whole thing. And they got these, these disabled veterans, which, listen, optics-wise, that's a great front to have. You got this, who doesn't want the disabled veterans to, like... Yeah, and I know. love in your visual here, you've literally got the veterans <laughs> here, and then they're behind them with the tanks and the jets. Yeah. I mean, you know... So now, like the entire, all of the social equity businesses are are on holds until this this. So this happened in Illinois too, right? Like, didn't? Yeah, this all sounds so familiar. I know right. that people listening right now, they're just like, "Oh my God, we're not the only ones." Yeah. So this, so wasn't so the social equity businesses were stuck because of a court order for a long time, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's basically the same thing that's happening here. Uh, and and so you know all these big companies are mad because the the state of New York when they set this up they wanted to give these social equity businesses first shot at the market and like let them be open for like a year or two uh, at, before the big companies which were already there in the medical market uh, so as so to give them time before the big companies became went adult use. And so now the social equity businesses are suing the state of New York because they have given them a runaround and have been unable to fund them and slow to work with them and like promise them a lot more things than they're receiving and are, are um, you know, uh, forcing them to use specific construction companies and things like that. And it's all kinds of nonsense. So that's like, all so they're all suing the the state for that reason and then the big boys are also suing the state for them even having a social equity business so and in the meanwhile so all of this right all of these problems which are so complex and and dumb and they always kind of get they when they try to fix these they fix it by making it more complex like and, and and really what they need to do is go to to the regulations and the systems and take an axe to them really like take a chainsaw to most of it yeah. uh, i remember like obama talked about using a scalpel to like change budget shit and i'm like no no you need a chainsaw for this because like it's all all of the the nonsense happens because we're treating it like some other thing besides like a regular product that people would want to buy and so and you, you look at the hemp market right the hemp market is treated hemp is treated like any other product. It's treated like, you know, 
uh, coffee or something like that. And uh, so if you want to open a coffee shop, listen, I know there's a lot of people out there like, it's not easy to open a coffee shop. I tried to open a coffee shop. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to start a small business. Now imagine starting that small business, but also you have like a million dollars worth right. of extra, extra, you know, um, money you have to spend to to make sure you're up to code, uh, not building codes, but but cannabis regulation codes, like mm-hmm. making sure that you're, you know, hooked up into the metric system and you have your cameras pointed in the exact spots they need to, to be and you have your security on premises and you know all these different things these hoops that make people jump through um also you're going you're jumping through all these local regulatory hoops because they've given in pretty much every state except for a, a few, they give local control, you know, local local townships have so much power. So like once you've done jumping through all the state hoops, now you got to figure out how to deal with the local township, which is often even more <laughs> obnoxious to deal with. And, and, you know, like in New Jersey, <clears throat> like something like 70% of the state or 60% of the state opted out of cannabis. So now your only options to open are you have to be in one of these, you know, 30% of the state that even allows cannabis businesses. And then those businesses. So I always talk about like there's opt out, and there's opt in. And in some right. ways, the people that opt in end up being more of a problem than the people that opt out entirely um, because they seize that moment to to exploit the cannabis companies just as much as the states do so i'm always like they should have opt-out fine if you want to opt out but if you opt in you can't like choke out the you know you can't exploit the industry at that point like so you're you're in control in the sense that hey if you don't want cannabis businesses you don't have to have them but if you have them and they're following state laws and regulations, you got to let them open or else it's because it, it, it's discriminatory, really. Mm-hmm. You know, they're using the state to discriminate against particular business um, because of the stigma associated with it. Yeah, well said. Well said. You touched on a few different points I want to want to get back to one of them just to, you know, paint an example from Illinois you said like all of the extra things, you know, it's hard enough to start a business, all of the extra things. I look at them as almost like unneeded things. They're just yeah extraneous mm-hmm. barriers to entry. Uh, let me give a few examples from Illinois, like the original licenses that were proposed. And this is when we were not talking social equity. So I think it's important to lay out that context, you know, because mm-hmm. um, it is different nowadays, but let's just talk like the original licenses for dispensaries it was proposed that there would be a $5,000 non-refundable fee. You have to provide proof of $400,000 in assets. You pay a $30,000 permit fee, a yearly renewal fee of $25,000. And then for cultivation centers, that was dispensaries. For cultivation centers, $25,000 non-refundable application fee. You have to prove you have $250,000 in liquid assets. 
you pay $200,000 upon approval and your yearly renewal fee is a hundred thousand dollars. A hundred grand a year. A year. I wonder why people don't enter the, the legal market. It's like, Jesus Christ, I have to have $250,000 in liquid cash just to even be considered. Yeah. Or I could have a thousand dollars in liquid cash and start a business out of my house and uh just deliver weed, buy buy bulk weed and sell it. I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I, the places, if you look at the, the, the country and the legal markets, the places that have the best weed have the lowest barriers to entry. It's just yeah. like a fact of, of, of a fact, like in, in Maine, right? So Maine is benefiting from the caregiver system. Um and so the medical system in Maine started in 1997, a really long time ago, like right after Whoa. the, yeah, like right after the California law, the Maine law passed. And, you know, there's no dispensaries in 1997. Like all you could do was have a caregiver. Somebody grows weed at their house on their property, you know, in Maine where it's just like everybody has like a farm or whatever, or it just didn't matter. You could just grow weed wherever, be a caregiver you're a licensed caregiver you're growing you know medicine for people and then they also expanded at some point where they have dis dispensaries and if you are a licensed caregiver which is like a $1500 a year license you can grow weed at your house in your basement or wherever you know on your outside or whatever you want to do and um sell it in dispensaries in Maine. And so like the Maine medical market is amazing. It's like the one of the most superior markets in the country. And I I was recently in in Oregon, in Portland. And uh <clears throat> which is also you know, there's a lot of options in the legal market there. But I still think I still got the feeling when I was there that the majority of the really good shit was still outside of the legal market. Yeah. Um, and when I look, when I think about like the main operators, like the, the caregivers are, are legal, but they operate almost like the way, uh, traditional market operators can operate because it's mm -hmm. so simple, you know what I mean? And so that's why that market is, is great. And, and, you know, that's also why, you know, they don't have the metric they don't have seat to sale um it's like so uncomplicated so that's why there's tons of great weed there it's just like you can operate and do what you want to do and yeah. in vermont i have to say the adult use market in vermont i was uh, i've happily uh surprised that how much of the legal operators were formerly in the traditional market for a really long time and now have become legal operators and they're like you know not uh like ceo millionaire dudes it's just like right you know i, I was hanging out at the hash maker we're just doing tabs in this dude's backyard and not you know whatever it was like we're chilling it's probably like your age or something like that but he's a legal operator and and um and this almost yeah, ties into, I'm about to display your, yeah, I think this is yeah. what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Um, it's like the thing is like, if you're allowed, every good, every small business 
that exists at some point starts in the home. It starts like as an idea, you start getting your shit together. You don't immediately start shelling out for office space or factory space or anything like that. You start very simple. And this is the step that gets has been taken away in cannabis that you can't start at your house. Like I can't elite, you know, in the traditional market, I could, I could set up uh, an entire delivery system set up in my basement. No problem. So all you're doing is buying low and selling high. I mean, like there's literally no difference there. Um, and, and there's no reason like that the legal market couldn't really be the same way. You just be buying look, you know, state weed, but like you should be able to buy in bulk if you want to and find your own clients and do provide a service. Like why are they, they're hamstringing the bit, you know, the business from the start. But I wanted to say, I remembered, I, I have an answer to your question where, what is where you thought it would get um so uh i would notice that if i ever do a comic that is about a situation where there was like a positive step or like a win it does poorly (laughs) like it doesn't get shared as much as the 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 ones that are about problems or issues Mm. so i did a comic about um in mendocino county uh, there's the Mendocino County thing. I could go spend an hours talking about this. It's the same situation where Prop 215, you know, like the main law, was very liberal and it had allowed a lot of people to operate. And when they switched over to the new law, 64, it the regulations put tons of people out of business and the taxes. Just like it decimated the market. It mm-hmm. literally like so many people went out of business uh and so and and these all mendocino county which is right uh just south uh i believe uh, I, I don't know where it is. i don't want to say where it is i'm not sure but mendocino county obviously well-known cannabis grow for area for a very long time uh mendo breath like that's what mendocino right. county um <clears throat> uh and it was all messed up because of the local the, the county mendocino county uh, had all these crazy uh, hoops that they wanted people to jump through, and everybody was going out of was going out of business. And Humboldt's dealing with the same situation now. And uh, these guys, the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance, and a few other groups, actually had a little bit of a victory where they're the state is forcing the county to fix the whole thing up, and you know um, they're they're. Um, you know gonna actually have a little win and i think that that probably got like half as many shares as as the ones about like the like the dui or something like that um it's just like bad news travels faster i think yeah gets people fired up makes people want to share it be like hey what the fuck you know but this is that situation there is still bad i mean the same situation thing is going on at humboldt which is just right by there and and um, it's the same thing. It, it's weird. California is getting it like uh, they're like in shock of what's going on, kind of, because it's it, since Prop 64, it, it's they had it. They were operating under a totally different situation. 
and then Prop 64 is basically not too dissimilar. I mean, aside from, you know, because there were so many businesses already operating in California, yeah. it's not that dissimilar from what what is going on in Illinois in terms of um, the regulate regulatory situation. It's just that there was there's so much such a bigger market in California. Right. There's a lot of a lot of differences as well. But so, but now these guys who are not used to this are now suddenly dealing with these regulations that we're dealing with from the start. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're where we can't even businesses here can't even get off the ground. But in California, they're already running and getting taken down by by these regulations, which is you know in a way more more tragic because they've had so much investment in the in the local local scene for so long 20 yeah. 30 you know forever it's like people have been growing up there forever yeah um, like that's where all the weed like in america like the best weed in america was coming from you know right that's why stories like that make me especially sad you know i always think that weed's gonna find a way and i and i hope it does but stories like that make me sad because it's like you said like left untouched that was the ideal place to get cannabis yeah and, and it's, it's like just gov- been, government gets their grubby hands on it and it's just like and it's uh, just destroyed it it's just awful i mean and the california people are also you know the taxes in california are legit and and um mm-hmm. it the taxes being so high in california also is what leads so many california businesses to backdoor products to, to the rest of the country to make up that tax money right and so like the whole country is all worried about you know illegal weed illegal grows all this stuff and it it it's being being they're being pushed in a way to do it by the tax situation in california i mean it's just a mess i mean it's just like there's nobody i think that ha- is like looking at this from a broad person. I mean, there is a lot of people actually, but like, um, not the people that are in charge. I mean, like they, they're willing to make the same mistakes hundreds of times in a row all the time. It seems like, you know, they're not mistakes. I mean, like it's the, yeah, you know, they're, they're doing this all on, this is just the way it goes. Right. And it's, so I mean, it's like, this is a front seat to like, corruption in america i mean like we're watching it happen like from the beginning of this business whereas in other businesses it's already been corrupted with, like we're since time immemorial it's just that this is a new thing and mm-hmm. we're watching it get corrupted uh, yeah. from the start yeah i can't remember who said it but they said that this is the biggest like gap in federal and state policy since like slavery yeah, I not no doubt. I mean, like, you know, and so this is it, coming online, and like you say, it's it's not been corrupted yet. You, yeah, sorry, you I mean, like, say, though. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you see stuff, and you're like, this is, you know, I get like some glimmers of hope here and there. You see stuff, some places where you're like, oh well, New Mexico seems to be allowing people to get involved, and then. It's always like the states where there's really like no people that they, they actually are like, oh, we can actually have a we can have a little bit an actual industry here and people will come here and like it'll be a big boon to our economy. Yeah, and like Oklahoma where, blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma's like, like, okay, sure, we're just gonna blow it's Oklahoma, right? Yeah. 
I know, and it's so funny because it's like Oklahoma and Texas, like a lot of similar culture, right? Yet Texas is like so anti-weed. They're like so like far in the behind, like the rest of uh, not the rest of the country because there's a lot of states that are behind, but they're pretty far behind. Texas. Meanwhile, Oklahoma is like twenty years ahead. (laughs) It's like right there. It's just hilarious kind of texas is kind of surrounded by illegal states now though mm-hmm. you know because yeah. new mexico is right there Oklahoma's up here yeah i think you, like you say the common trend it seems like places like that and it's not always a guarantee that you'll find it within the legal market the good example you gave is oregon like just because there's you know it's free and some people point to it as wild wild west it doesn't mean that the legal market still will have you know, uh, great product. But I think the biggest thing with, with like leniency, as you point out, it seems like what consistently comes out of that. If you just let people fucking do it is that it's better. You know what I mean? It becomes a great, I mean, and it becomes better for everyone. Like the prices Mm -hmm. come down. It supports a lot of small businesses instead of like five enormous businesses. Um, um, there's a lot of turn, you know, people coming in and out, competition in the market, um, better product, better prices, like, yeah, uh, you know, tour tourism, and you know, think about like, um, you know, people go to if if you have a choice to go to Maine or New Hampshire, let's say, <laughs> on your vacation. You go to Maine where there's like the best weed in the world, and then New Hampshire where it's like no weed at all. It's like I don't even know if they have. I mean, they know they have a medical market, but it's not very accessible. That live for your die thing stops at at cannabis, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's like die. Yeah, I guess I'll die. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, I I think I don't know if it's any a comic that you've said, but somebody put it really short. They're like when you make the business itself or just the process itself competitive instead of the application process and the freaking regulations, like, it, you know, if you make it just so that pencil pushers can make it in, then you're going to have pencil pushers growing your wheat. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I don't mean yeah, to say yeah. like that sounds derogatory. I don't know. That sounded weird to no, say. No, no, that's what it is. I mean, like, you know, look at the markets that are like, you know, look at New Jersey, look at Illinois. I mean, look at it's the proof is in the pudding. I mean, like you can just look at it. Just be like, Bleh. And one of the things that you've covered, I'm about to share another one of your comics that, that I particularly like am saddened by is the, the, it seems like the answer to, it seems like some of the big guys answer or some of the operators answer to this problem that they call unlicensed cannabis or the traditional market is to use the criminal law against it uh, against yeah. those people right and i really yeah. think history is just not going to reflect well on this yeah tactic. i mean this is the thing in new york too it's like the you know the unlicensed shop you know people will talk people in weed will talk shit about the unlicensed weed stores in new york like these are yeah. people that smoke weed They'll be like, you know, there's tons of fucking illegal weed stores. They have shitty weed. What are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. In my mind, these illegal weed stores are like putting up the most effective protests of the cannabis laws because 
they especially in New York, there's a bunch of places that where there's like five locations. They're just like shoving it right. Like yeah. they have build billboards and like they don't give a fuck. They're like, fuck you. Like this is how it should be. It's fucked up. Like there's no look at us. Like if you look at like Empire Cannabis Clubs, they're they're like, look at what we're doing. Like we're running a dispensary that uh, that is operating like it's normal. Like it's just like everybody else. Why are you pushing us out? So uh, outside uh, out of state companies can come in and and take that location. Like you're you're kicking people out of. The state, you know, taking you're taking the best locations from the working class and giving them to the millionaire class, the billionaire class. I mean, it's just like so. I, all those small those bodegas and shit, like fucking, that's the way it should be. They those guys are the ones that are selling all the pipes and the freaking goddamn. My since I was like seventeen and sixteen years old, I was like going into into New York to get glass pipes and shit uh way back in the day and you'd go to the bodega and it had like a million glass pipes and shit and you just walk in you buy your glass pipe they know the cannabis customer like why should they not be they're catering to the cannabis customer like that's their cost that's our customer base is the cannabis customer and you're not allowing them to sell weed like right like what is what is it's nonsensical and right. so you see a lot of fear mongering surrounding it where it's like oh they're you know it's all mafia run you know after chinese mafia middle eastern mafia like you know uh which you know i i don't doubt that there is some like organized crime shit in involved here but there's hundreds there's like thousands of dispensaries at this point illegal bodega dispensaries and stuff like that running in new york they're not all run by the mob like that just like def- would be defy logic because there's so many of them um so many of them are just small businesses this is a bodega bodega is by definition like the most fucking quintessential small business like it's like a little shop and as you've said they've been selling us us by us i mean stoners everything short of weed for yeah. all these years like they have every rolling paper imaginable right forever. snacks yeah. Yeah, like why? It's just like it. So, you know, I don't see any reason why all of them shouldn't be selling weed. Why not? Eventually, the market will cool off. I mean, cool off. Right. It's not going to last forever. Exactly. It'll sort itself out. Right. The market's going to even itself out. And people that make this argument in every single other avenue of uh, uh, of business. That the invisible hand of the free market will handle everything, except the same people will make this same argument that they needed heavy regulations on cannabis. Same people that say that we need no regulations on things like, you know, uh, fossil fuel shit and like all, all other kinds of things like that. We don't need any regulations for uh, miners or, or, uh, you know, people doing mountaintop removal to get frack, you know, fracking, all this stuff. Those guys let them do whatever they want. They'll do whatever. But weed, we need heavy regulations on these guys because, you know, why? You know, whatever. Because of stigma. Yeah. And to your point, uh, to 
to start to close us out. I, you know, it's funny boxes that I went to, I was like, there's a really good box Brown. We were talking about basically this exact topic, uh, on a show with a professor from Southern Illinois university. And I was like, Oh, there's a really good box Brown uh, comic on this. And I looked it up and I promise you, I didn't do this purposefully, but today I am doing it purposefully. I'm bringing it back up. I love that the first panel is I recently appeared on the Chillinoy podcast, but I I promise you the reason I brought it up was so what we were just talking about. We want to vote with our dollars, but cannot legally do it until everyone is on the ballot. I love that, dude. Yeah. I mean, because that's what it is, man. We're, We're that's what they tell us to do in every other thing. Let the the free market sort it out. You know, if you don't like that, don't buy that. Don't go there. You know, it'll be gone. If they're doing stuff that is bad for the consumer, they'll be gone sooner or later. But if there's no way to, uh, and no other person to to vote for, vote with your dollars. To, yeah. You know, yeah. That's it. And I want to just play a, a small clip, an audio clip from a um, a person that is actually now a licensed operator in the state of Illinois. And they explained to me from their perspective, the difference between limited license states and open markets, which is kind of what we were just talking about. And I think you're just going to love how like kind of bluntly they put this. Okay. So let's check this out. From the consumer's perspective, a limited license market generally is not a good thing. So I'll say that. So like for the consumer, it's like it's better to have tons of competition, I think, in general. Um, Although maybe there's an argument for it still, but, you know, tons of competition or at least tons of licenses. And then the best folks sort of like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they win. Other folks get shaken out. from a wealth building perspective, it's better to have a limited license market because then the license is intrinsically valuable. Whereas if it's like anybody can get it, there's no like intrinsic value to um, the license, uh, no economic value, no you know, intrinsic economic value to the license. Um, but when there's only like 10 or 20, you can ensure that at least whoever gets them can at least make some money. And there's a certain amount of competitive advantage you have where, you know, like we're in the market we're in now, you can only go to so many places. And so it's not great for the consumer because then the prices are kind of high, everything else, but for the business, it's like, you know, we can almost not go out of business because you can only go so many places that you got to come here. Yeah. Um, Yes, it's horrible. (laughs) Isn't that that interesting to hear hear it put so like bluntly like he 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 acknowledges that an open market's better from a consumer perspective but i love how he put it it's like if if it's limited though you only have so many places so you know like we're not gonna go out of business yeah no 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 shit five people aren't gonna go out of business in an unlimited license you're extending that wealth to hundreds of thousands like anybody you're, you're, you're in, in the limited licensure, concentrating all the wealth in a very small group of people and limiting the market entirely, over, you know, the, the overall growth of the market. Mm-hmm. In an open market, you're expanding that wealth to pe- the rest of the people, the working class, the people that you want to raise up. Right. Right. I mean, he's basically, I mean, 
pointing out that limited licensure is like trickle down economics. I mean, like you're giving all the money to the five people at the top and hoping that somehow that benefits the consumer or like the working class in some way. And it's just not possible. Yeah. And just actually, you know, to your point earlier, um, you asked how things are going in Illinois. I have another short clip that just it touches on exactly what you talked about. So our governor has said that, you know, this this these limitations on licenses, that's not a bug. That's a feature. And and high prices of product. Wait, wait, that's say not... that again? Oh yeah. Uh so our governor recently gave a speech, right? And uh he addressed concerns about limited licenses. And he said, you know, the thing is if we limited the licenses for a purpose to section off, well, how about, I'm just going to play the clip. You're going to love this because it's exactly what we were just talking about. It's very short. So Uh, we did the right thing and we're still managing through that. And there are people who still complain that we ought to have more and more licenses issued uh, daily. And the reality is that by holding back, we've really left a portion of the market still available for social equity license holders so that when they enter the industry, they enter it in a profitable way. I'm proud of that. It would be easy to just allow existing systems rooted in tradition um, to leave people out. It would just be easy to do it the the old fashioned way uh, to come into existence as they always have. It's much, much harder to build something that is making a difference and and pushing against the grains of the past. But that's what we're doing here in Illinois. And I'm proud of it, creating- Nonsense. It's just, that's so hard to listen to, difficult to listen to. Isn't it? And I just, the key word here is you limit it so that you leave a portion of the market so that people can enter it in a profitable way. When are they going to enter it? Well, that's I mean, the million dollar question. You limit it so that they never can get it. Get it. And you just hold it in front of them like a fucking carrot. Be like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to give this to you at some point. We're going to give this to you at some point. And then just don't do it. And yeah. then you're like, oh, I'm so proud of myself for doing this amazing thing where I'm helping out so many social equity entrepreneurs by never letting them enter the market. And watching them waste their life savings for the last five years. Yeah. Good job, dude. It's just interesting, the idea that another advocate put it in a newspaper. They said very shortly, social equity is is market share. Yeah. They said it's not the number of licenses issued. It's market share. We we should be entitled to a market share. And I'm just like, I guess I can get down with that if if the enforcement mechanism is not the criminal law. Yeah. And I know that that sounds crazy. I know that it just mm-hmm. sounds like I advocated for a limited license market, but if if the if the enforcement mechanism is not the criminal law, then in my opinion, the traditional market will still flourish. Because it Yeah, I mean, I think that like, you know, market share I don't think they're guaranteed. Nobody's guaranteed market share. Right. It's about the it's about um but it is about the opportunity market share and right now there's no opportunity for at all i mean even in places where they like i look at like new jersey where you know you can apply for a license anybody can apply it's a a ridiculously expensive and long process that'll take forever 
and you'll be run around nonstop for just like you'll be in regulatory hell for maybe one year, maybe two years, maybe three years, maybe five years. Um, so the the opportunity technically is there, but it's not, you know. Um, whereas if there was a situation where opening up was, you know, feasible and you could apply for your license, even if the license was $20,000, $30,000 to apply and get your license. But if you apply and you have all your shit together in six months, you can open your doors and it, 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 or, or less or whatever, and it was guaranteed, like, that's, you know, you can almost say, fine, charge, charge whatever for the licenses, but let them open. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, if you're gonna, it, it, if you're gonna charge a lot for these licenses and make it just impossible and, and make them spend all their money, you have to right. spend all of your money to before you can open. Like, you spend everything. You have to build every because there's no infrastructure. You know, like I would say, like if you wanted to open up like a barber shop, which requires infrastructure, you need chairs and mirrors and all this shit. You know, you don't have to find an empty space and like buy all that stuff. You could find a barber shop right. that's going out of business or has gone out of business and buy that. And all the infrastructure is there. Mm-hmm. There's no way for you to go, all right, I'm going to buy a dispensary that's our that is going out of business because it doesn't exist yet. Everybody has to build from scratch. Um, and so these people, it's going to be like messed up. Because like these people, the first first people that get up out there a lot of them are just going to go broke and they're going to have fire sales selling the businesses and stuff and then the second round of people are going to maybe be in better position because they're going to get that cheap infrastructure but you know that second round of people always ends up being like cure relief because they want to expand their licensure um and so like that that's what happens all the time like so a lot of the uh New York gave out all these hemp licenses and those a lot of those businesses sold their licenses. They sold to big California money. Um, in California, all the small businesses sold sell to Glasshouse because they can stack licenses that way. Right. Um, and so uh, that's, the, that's the path here. It's that you're going to see like this whole wave of small business entrepreneurs get into the cannabis business, lose tons of money, lose their life savings, you know, go bankrupt. There's no federal protection. It's actually not bankruptcy. I learned this recently. When a cannabis company goes out of business, they don't go bankrupt because there's right. no there's no federal bankruptcy protection for a cannabis business. They just mm-hmm. become insolvent. So these people like that that are spending all this money to open up the dispensary in wherever new jersey they open it up they build all the infrastructure they start building clientele they get killed some you know run out of money overhead etc uh, maybe the business doesn't take off they have to sell all this mso weed so it's like maybe they don't have the best products etc business goes out of business who do they sell to cure leaf who is expanding their footprint and so it ends up not even being small business that benefits from the the pioneer work that the early businesses do it ends up being 
the MSOs that, that benefit anyway. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well, hey, I want to I want to wrap up here, but I yeah, I can to... talk about the sunlight. So. No, no, uh, <laughs> I I had a few. I was just gonna say I wanted to run like this idea by you that I've been kind of percolating for a while, but I feel like a creative like you might be able to help refine this. And obviously, not now. We can talk about <laughs> it, you know, offline in the future. But it's like this idea that like everything we've been talking about, right? Um. Mm you look at somebody like I always like to use the example of like Tommy Chong or Cheech and Chong, but lately I've okay. also been using like, you know, those, like you have, you, I can like say this and I feel like you're going to be able to picture it. Like those old hippie, um, like, uh, I almost said riots, but protests because they were never riots, yeah, yeah. uh, right. protests where it's like free the plant, all this stuff. Sure, sure, sure. And I like to, when we talk about like what's going on nowadays, I like to bring those people up because I'm like, this is not what those people had in mind. And I like, but yeah. I'm trying to make it like funny and sharp. So I like try to think of like Tommy Chong. He's like, you know, traveling with Cheech back in the day. And he's like, I want it to be legal, but we still need to have like possession limits because like, you know, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. Or like, like, be like, oh yeah. <laughs> like some hippie being like, yeah, legalize it, man. But, only allow a couple big businesses. Thank to you. That's you know that's literally <laughs> the next example I was going to use. Yeah. The sad fact is, is that a lot of the people that run these big, huge businesses that are, you know, actually they're probably like a lot of them retired. It's probably like the people funding a lot of the stuff were those hippies. Like my dad's age type people. Like yeah. Those are the people that have all the shitloads of money now and like made the markets look that like this, which is fucked up. Anyhow. Yeah, anyway, uh, so let me just plug one more time the, the Legalization Nation Kickstarter. Uh, get yourself a nice hardcover book collecting 156 uh, strips. Uh, while we were doing this podcast, we got we jumped over 14,000. Hey. Uh, so we're getting close. Uh, 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 56% funded, but we could always use your help to get a uh, legalization nation hardcover book and some there's t-shirts uh corporate mids t-shirt and some uh sticker pack i even got grab labs donated uh these little hook hitters that are like kind of somewhere yeah. between a one hitter and a, and a fat bowl and uh and check it out and it helps Absolutely. support uh indie comics uh weed media <laughs> yeah support cannabis history because that's you know that's why i'm very excited about this man you've done a great job over the years i can't believe it has been three um i can't believe i'm not i, I you're gonna see my name pop up tonight uh i'm gonna become a patron you should too go to patreon.com slash legalization nation and there's a few different memberships. I recommend clicking on this one because it looks like this is the one that gets you access immediately to comics and uh, behind the scenes posts as they drop, which is super fucking cool. So, folks, once again, support uh, your local uh, I about said local artists, but support your artists, support yeah. cannabis media, like you said. And, uh, you know, I guess just to end to end this. I wanted to ask you, you know, when you cover this stuff, and as you said earlier, it seems like only the negative stuff gets track. People say that, uh, you know, a lot of my coverage is negative because I'm constantly talking about these things. Right. And 
it I, I don't intend it to be negative i intend it to be like this is the world i want it to be so i how, do you do you deal with that at all yeah yeah or you're like oh god i'm constantly like looking at this in such a horrible way yeah but i think that like it's easy to be you know excited about legal weed i mean i think that's the whole point of 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 that that actually like i think that idea that people are just excited that it's becoming legal is what drives a lot of the bad shit in our in the industry because it allows it gives cover i think to these companies and a lot of different people that want to exploit things um uh where they're like and it ends up being like this like a gun to the head of of so in in pennsylvania right like there's 12,000 arrests last year um and so when we talk about legalization of pennsylvania we're like we want all these different things this is the way it should be etc and there's another side that's just like just tape whatever because you know uh 12,000 people are getting arrested every year and if you, if it's just legal that all those people will stop getting arrested and it's like the state or the corp whoever has that the arrest has their gun to their head and it's like listen legalize the way we want it or we're going to keep arresting all these people every year including a dude uh last year two years ago this is in the book a dude uh gets busted he has like you know he's like my age whatever has two kids at home and he has like a homegrown tent in his basement and uh this is in like north uh west pennsylvania like north of Pittsburgh and uh and I think you know you don't get the whole story but it seems like maybe one of his neighbors called the cops on him or something like that and they came in they saw his grow tent and even though it was like in his basement some one of the kids toys was like near the the tent and so he was charged with a felony for for growing and processing weed or whatever but also a second felony for committing a felony in front of a minor because they found his kid's toy there and like that would be just devastating to the family and uh and and it's just like in you know two states over in michigan you know i think it may be you know it's right there that's just like a legal thing like not even a big deal and uh i i was like really upset about this and i emailed the judge in the case and I was like, tried to plead a case for the guy. I was just like, you know, this is going to really, whatever. The judge was like, I don't care what's going on. He like wrote me this mean email back. He's like, I don't care what's going on in their states. It's the state of Pennsylvania. You can't grow weed, blah, blah, blah. And it was like Beaver County, Pennsylvania. And uh, I was just like, this, this is the thing. I mean, like, this is why you, you have to legalize. And this is why we really need just federal legalization like end this whole charade where they're allowed to put people in cages put people behind bars find people ruin their lives etc in in one state and then you know maybe six miles away or whatever it is over the border right there it's a whole nother ball game where that none of that stuff happens at all yeah and you know um and and, and so like when you're under that kind of pressure to legalize that's when you end up with these shitty laws and 
and yeah. apathy as you i can't find it right now if you can see i'm scrolling really trying to find one of your comics that i use all the time it's about a safe the one of the iterations of safe banking of course now we call it safer banking safer. but uh, yeah. right um anyways you you i love the contrast you painted you were worried about or you were maybe covering that that, pe- that people are worried about the idea that you know it's kind of like you say this incremental reform and take what we can get but Maybe sometimes so. you get this level where it generates apathy so i think you used uh, amsterdam as an example where it's like okay right. you can get yeah. into the shops but nobody like so to the general person they're like what's the big fucking deal like what yeah. are you talking that's about that's why like that's why if you don't the first, if you don't get a good law the yeah. first time if you don't get a good law the first time it's 10 times harder to make changes later look at illinois as the example yeah i know look how much trouble it is that i was like i mean and massachusetts is not that different i mean like because massachusetts legalized soon after i mean there is a little bit more small business weed in massachusetts a little bit um but it's not that different where you know there's they need to make a lot of changes it's hard to get the political will behind it because people are just like, you can just go get weed right there. Right there. Like, why do I care now? And then you have to sit there and talk about the finer points and, and hand like argue every single person. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is That's me why... when I go and visit my parents. They're like, what are you talking about, Cole? You can buy it at the store. I'm like, no, but you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why I made the, started the comic in the first place because I was just like, I, I need to like get this out there and, and, and like have people listen to it because it's just, it's also like so absurd that it's almost funny in a way, like where like you couldn't make this stuff up. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. The comics yeah. write themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, folks, right. once I do have to get, I do uh, have to admit it. Cool. All right, folks, once again, patreon.com slash legalization nation. Check out the podcast description for the Kickstarter support cannabis media. We'll see you in the next episode. Brian, thank you. Take thank care. Thank you everybody. so much, Cole. Take it Bye. easy.